0: What's up ladies and gents and welcome to another episode of the on Mike podcast. It has been a while I would say like five months to be exact but we're back and I'll try and be more consistent from now on. Anyway what are we talking about today? Well as you can see from the title I'll be talking about anxiety and uh, I'll cover everything from anxiety in our day-to-day lives, what are the causes and the symptoms, how we can go about managing it and um whether there are any positives to anxiety because all we hear about are the negatives and when does it become a disorder and just before we start i want to make it clear that this pod is for educational purposes only i am not a licensed professional and anything i say should not be taken as medical advice and if you are having any issues any uh, mental health issues anything then um Stick around to the end of the pod and I'll plug some places where you can go for help and uh, I'll put them in the description as well. So what is anxiety? Well, if you look at the definition, anxiety is generally an emotion characterized by feeling of tension, worry and even physical changes like increased blood pressure. So what does that mean? Um, Basically, we can describe anxiety as our mind's ability to predict potential problems in the future so you can take corrective actions in the present. Also I want to give a quick shout out to Dr. K from Healthy Gamer for this definition and the following explanation that I'm going to use because it's been super helpful to me so shout out to him for that. So let's look at anxiety in a few common scenarios that we might have experienced uh, especially as students or adults in our late teens and 20s and uh, we'll break down what's going on. So The first one being any sort of uh, social event, so whether it's at a party or uh, going to the movies or just getting to know new people. And uh, the second one being studying, so whether that's studying at school or in uh, university. And I'm sure in both of these examples, you can think of um, plenty of scenarios where you might feel anxious. For example, at a social event, you will be worried about uh, saying something dumb or what people might think of you, the way you look, the way you dress, and. with the example of studying, you'll be worried about failing. So whether that's failing an exam or a piece of coursework. So first let's break down how our mind responds to these anxious thoughts. And then how do we deal with these worries in the future? So most of the anxiety involves a if then situation or a uh, what if question. So if I say this, then that person will dislike me. Or if I don't study and then, so sorry, if I don't study a certain amount, then I will fail so what we try and do is we control the if or the then. So what I mean by that is we'll try and get rid of our anxiety by controlling something in the future. So in the social example, let's say you crack a joke about someone and uh, it doesn't get the response you're looking for. Now whether or not the joke is offensive, we will apologize just in case. Even if you didn't say anything wrong, That's because a lot of the times people with anxiety are so concerned or worried about the future that they'll overcompensate just so they can remove their uncertainty. And uh, the other thing that will do to remove the uncertainty is to not trigger it at all. So instead of being worried about what you'll say to someone at a social event or um, anywhere you meet up you will just not go. For example if I don't even show up to the party I can't misspeak or I can't do anything that will make me look dumb therefore I can control my worry completely if I just avoid the situation entirely and for those that are worried about failing an exam or a coursework they'll study extra hard they'll put in 10 hours on something that only requires two or um, they'll start to overthink about every little detail about their work and um, they'll do all of this to try and control the uncertainty of the future and this may sound like a good thing like hold on if I'm studying extra hard, isn't that a good thing? Well, the problem with that is that our solution to anxiety, that desire to exert control, is super restrictive and it causes us to suffer. For example, if you think about the social example, sure, if I never go out to parties or meet new people, then no one can think I'm dumb because I'm not there. But then you're never going to meet new people. So you're not, you're um, you're narrowing the scope of your life and you're and you're restricting the kind of things that you can do and even with the studying example we become so paranoid that we're going to fail that we end up missing out on a lot of fun we can have by either staying up way too late or getting up way too early to study and um, I'm not saying all of this to say that you shouldn't study hard but it's just to note that you need to have that balance between the two otherwise you'll feel burnt out. And lastly, another issue with anxiety that is common is that overcompensating can sometimes make the problem worse, even if that's not your intention. So if you're always concerned about what you said or how you might come across or whether or not some people may or may not like you and you end up apologizing way too much, what can happen is that we can actually come across as being annoying to other people. And this creates a dangerous loop uh, because you're basically going, oh, I'm afraid someone doesn't like me let me apologize. Since I'm apologizing too much, I annoy them and they end up not liking me. So this vicious cycle that we've now created that we thought was a solution to our anxiety has now made our life more restrictive and created more problems. So what do we do? How do we solve this issue? How do we break out this cycle? Well, first thing to know is, and it might be kind of obvious, but anxiety only exists in the future. So if we can somehow bring our mind to the present, it's impossible to be anxious. For example, if you take a nice shower, and I know some people like to have music in the back or sing to themselves, whatever you do. But if you think about that experience and how you're fully immersed in that activity, in that moment, you won't feel anxiety because you're only thinking about the shower. Therefore, your focus is on the present instead of the future. And that's just one example, but there's other activities that we partake in to deal with anxiety and bringing our minds to the present. And these can sometimes be harmful or beneficial, but that depends on the activity. For example, let's say you're watching a movie or um, you're binge watching a show on Netflix and you're super engrossed in it. In that moment, your anxiety slowly drifts away because you're not thinking about the future. Same thing with video games, uh, playing sports, or even drugs and alcohol, which people sometimes use to help with anxiety. All of these things keep our mind in the present instead of the future. and. Just to be clear I'm not saying that these are healthy or beneficial ways to cope with anxiety because they're not especially when it comes to drugs and alcohol but I'm just trying to map out a full spectrum of how we deal with anxiety. Now the key point still remains that anxiety cannot exist if you're not thinking about the future. And we can apply this logic to the situation mentioned previously, like uh, going to the social event or um, failing on a test or an exam. Because if you look at people's experiences, you'll notice that once they're engaging in the act, the anxiety is much lower than before. For example, when you're not thinking about what the party or event is gonna be like, and you're actually sitting down and chatting to people once you're there, then your anxiety level decreases. Same way when you're not worried about failing a test, that you haven't even taken yet, and instead you're you're actively studying, your anxiety level will decrease again. Because in both of these scenarios, you're in the present and not worried about the future. And one final example I want to use is stage anxiety or uh, performance anxiety. So if you're someone that has performed in front of people, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 100, and you're playing, let's say, an instrument, or um, doing acting or stand-up comedy, You'll be aware of what you're feeling right before you get on stage and how your mind is constantly uh, running through hundreds and hundreds of scenarios of how you might miss a note or forget to say a line or don't know where to stand and whether or not you have your back to the audience or not which is something that our drama are used to constantly mention to us in school. You'll be worrying about all of these things before your performance and it feels like the anxiety is paralyzing you but Hopefully once you get up on stage and you actually start your performance, you start to feel much better and you realise that the anxiety itself was far more paralytic than the reality. So just to summarise, if we can engage in the activity and train our mind to focus on the present, then anxiety literally cannot exist. Another key point is that anxiety is generally rooted in some kind of insecurity. And uh, the insecurity can stem from a variety of factors based on the individual. But first, let's think about some scenarios that you're not anxious, so this can be cooking or playing video games. Now, if you've been cooking for a long period of time or playing games all your life, then you're not going to be anxious because you're confident in your ability. With the games, for example, even if you don't know the consequence of the game, so whether you win or you lose, you can face that uncertainty without any issues. And the same way, if you're cooking for yourself or you're having some friends over and you're cooking for them, you're confident in your skill to pull that off. But to focus on the insecurity itself, that means we need to develop confidence. And confidence literally means you have the capacity to deal with the unknown. And if you think back to how anxiety functions, normally there is uncertainty in the future. So what we try and do is we control that uncertainty. We don't face it, we try and remove it. So if you go back to our example about choosing not to go to the party and meeting new people. And so every time you remove the uncertainty, you're removing the opportunity to build confidence because confidence comes from facing and overcoming a challenge instead of taking the challenge away entirely. And so when we control more and more aspects of our lives, we make our anxiety worse because it decreases our confidence because we are never facing anything new. So the solution is to learn to develop some confidence. And essentially, once we do that, we can resolve that personal insecurity that you have. And as you resolve that personal insecurity, you're able to face uncertainty without needing to control it. Okay, so before we talk about anxiety disorders, I briefly want to talk about the positive aspects of anxiety because we almost always hear about how it affects us negatively and um, we never really talk about how it benefits us or if it benefits us. Firstly, anxiety may be helpful when it comes to motivation when you're facing a challenge. This is based on research conducted on students and athletes which showed that those who experience anxiety actually improve their performance when it comes to tests and when it comes to uh, tests and competitive sports. And this is also true when you look at medical students especially because one of the reasons they made it to medical school is because they have generally higher levels of anxiety compared to other students. And this means they are constantly studying, whether it's during the week or the weekends. Secondly, you can also argue that anxiety creates an incentive for you to be successful in certain aspects of your life. For example, perhaps your anxiety helps you put in that extra little bit of effort into your work and when you're looking to make a good impression on someone. Finally, you can think of anxiety as a built-in warning system if you look at it from uh, an evolutionary perspective. Because anxiety is meant to protect us from danger and uh, allow us to react faster to emergencies. And we can apply this to modern day as well. Because there was a study done in the UK which found that teenagers who suffered from higher levels of anxiety had fewer accidents and uh, accidental deaths compared to those with lower, le- uh, lower levels of anxiety. Sorry which again shows how anxiety can help keep you safe and although it may not feel like something that's a positive it can be helpful at times now what is general anxiety disorder and uh, when does normal everyday anxiety turn into a disorder as we talked about before most people feel anxious in their day-to-day lives when they're faced with uh, stressful situations like exams uh, speaking in public, meeting new people, going on job interviews etc and this can be a negative or a positive as it may make you focus on the task at hand and help get things done faster. However people with the uh, general anxiety disorder or GAD they feel anxious and worried almost all of the time and not just in specific scenarios or situations that I mentioned before. For example for those with GAD even completing mundane tasks like uh, household chores can sometimes become the focus of the anxiety and it can lead to uncontrollable worries and uh, a feeling that something terrible is going to happen. And also GAD can lead to physical symptoms like excessive sweating, shortness of breath or uh, muscle, um, muscle tension. Now, for someone to be diagnosed with GAD, these symptoms need to be experienced for up to six months according to the DSM-5 and the ICT-10. And if you don't know what the DSM-5 and the ICT-10 are, these are generally the guidebooks that mental health professionals use for their disorders. So what causes GAD? Well, there's a variety of factors that may be involved when we're looking at the development of GAD. I'm just going to briefly run through a few of them. So first we have family history. For example, people with GAD often have a history of mental health problems in their family. However, it's important to note that this doesn't mean that someone will automatically develop GAD if their close close family or relative has a mental health condition. We also have biological factors like changes in brain functioning. That's been associated with GAD as well. So that's uh, things like changes in your levels of dopamine and uh, serotonin. We have psychological factors and uh, these can also put you at at a greater risk of developing GAD. So, for example, personality traits like being more sensitive or nervous or even being a perfectionist. uh, All of these can play a role and I'll go more into detail about personality in a future episode where I'll be talking about the fire factor model and uh, how it can help you understand your strengths and weaknesses. So uh, stay tuned for that in the future. And the final factor is stressful life events, so people are more at risk if they experience a trauma um if they experience a traumatic event, for example, this can be during their childhood, such as neglect or separation from parent and also uh this applies to childhood and later on abuse, whether it's physical, sexual, or emotional. these can all increase the risk of g a d so now that we know what causes g a d How can we go about treating it or uh, managing it as well as we can? The first way is the self-care route. And this not only applies to GAD, but normal everyday anxiety as well. So this is stuff like uh, regular exercise, uh, not smoking or drinking, uh, practicing meditation or mindfulness. And if you just Google mindfulness techniques, there's a lot of links on uh, Google, on YouTube that you can use. That's going to be helpful to you and the second way is the medical route and this involves medication or therapy so one of the most popular forms of therapy is uh, CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy and this has been known to be helpful to people that experience anxiety or GAD and also there's medication like antidepressants or SSRIs and these are also used by professionals to help uh, those with anxiety so before we end I just want to reiterate once again that this isn't medical advice, but rather for educational purposes only. So if you do struggle with any of these issues that I mentioned, please see a licensed professional and not me because I'm not a professional. And uh, to help you with this, I just want to leave you with some organizations that do some great work and they deserve a shout out. As this is an episode about anxiety, we'll start off with Anxiety UK This is probably the biggest uh, anxiety-focused organization when it comes to the UK. Uh, We also have No Panic and um, that's a good one as well because they share some techniques if you go to their website, which can uh, also be helpful to you when it comes to anxiety. Uh, There are also charities like Mind, uh, Samaritan and Shout85258. All of these are super helpful when it comes to any mental health-related issue and uh, they are all available over the phone or through text as well if you don't feel like talking especially shout 85258 which is a completely onom- uh, anonymous text service and one final one is calm so that's c-a-l-m calm they also have a cool app which has guided meditation as well as techniques to help you fall asleep if you struggle with that sort of thing as well so shout out to all of them and shout out to you as well if you made it all the way through to the end uh, big thank you for that Don't forget to follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Psychon Mike. If you have any questions or comments, you can let me know on there. And finally, share the pod, all right? Share the pod with your family, with your friends. And I'll see you next time. Peace.